Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 13. Well, it's that time of year again, people. Farmer Wants a Wife is back on our screen. Now, if you're just getting to know me, you might not know that I am from Sydney and have a big love for the country. And when I was navigating my 20s, it was a bit of a running joke that I would be perfect for Farmer Wants a Wife. And after finishing uni, moving back to the city, I had several groups of friends that weren't connected send me the application form. And I thought, what the hell, I'll just shut you all up. Lo and behold, next minute, I found myself in the Hunter Valley in a lineup and speed dating for Farmer Wants a Wife. Now, if you want to find out how that ended, you are more than welcome to Google Melanie, Farmer Wants a Wife. But it's something that I didn't like talking about for a very long time because the farmer that I had applied for was in South Australia. And not long after filming, I actually moved to South Australia. And when I moved to South Australia, I didn't want to be seen as the girl chasing the farmer. I just wanted to explore my own life and see what sort of a life I could create for myself down here. If you haven't been to South Australia, South Australia is one of the most beautiful states in Australia, slightly biased, obviously. And here I am six years today, still living here. So we might say that farmer wants a wife was my advantage, but now I just like talking about it as a fun little thing that I did. But it's funny because every time I go to watch a new season, it just makes me cringe. So if you're watching it, please fill me in on all of the fun things that are happening because I will not be viewing Channel 7 anytime soon to find out which farmer wants his wife. So now while you've all got me on your ears going, Mel, tell me more, I am going to kindly change the topic and talk about something that has constantly come up in my coaching sessions with my clients, constantly coming up quite early in the sessions. And it's, I'm sure something that they're not even aware of themselves. It's the pre, it's the self-doubt pre-statement and Look, I'm pretty sure we've all done this at some point in our life because let's be honest, trying new things as an adult is really hard. The self-doubt statements are things like, oh, I'm probably not very good at this after you've tried something for the very first time or when you're talking with something or someone about how you're learning a new skill and you're like, oh, this is really cringe or, oh, I really don't think that you should look at this because it's something that, you know, obviously isn't perfect yet. And it's just a really interesting, comfortable thing and comfortable habit that we get into as an adult to protect ourselves from the fact that we are trying something new. And as adults, it often takes us a lot longer to master the new skill because we have other shit to do. It's not something that we can just pick up and spend all our time learning and perfecting, we still have lives and responsibilities to uphold whilst we're learning this new skill. And so when we start talking about our journey as we process learning this new skill, I personally think the kindest thing that we can do to ourselves is just be aware of the language that we use when we're talking about it. 
because that language is going to be really powerful in how we approach learning that new skill. If I look at the way I move in the gym, now I have been training in the gym since my early 20s. I'm now 34. You do the math. Um, And when I jump into group classes, people often comment on how mobile I am. And then they put it down to genetics and just brush it off. I've been training in the gym for 14 years. I've had several coaches. I've trained at several different facilities. I've competed in several different modalities. I've done powerlifting. I've trained in bodybuilding. I have trained in functional movement. And so all of these things combined over the last 14 years have given me the squat that I have today in the gym. Now, if you are not a gym goer, the squat is one of the foundation movements for a lot of other movements that we do in the gym. So that then carries through everything. But when I started to squat very early on in my 20s, it wasn't something I loved doing. In fact, I very much loved just doing the things. I was a Les Mills bunny. I loved doing the cardio. I loved the loud music. Let's take that back a step. I didn't love the cardio. I loved that I didn't have to think about what I was doing in in learning what I was doing. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I really started to work with a coach on a one-to-one level that these skills started to develop. Now, when you're working with a coach, they're obviously leaps and bounds ahead of where you are and where you want to be, but they are where you want to be. And so they technically have the roadmap to get you there. They're not judging you because you're not getting it perfect the first go. They're not judging you because you're hiding behind your self-doubt statement. They're not judging you because you think that you're going to get it perfect in two days. They're there to help you and guide you through all of those awkward moments. They're there to guide you through when you think it's going to get really hard and that you can't work over that next hurdle. In fact, if they're not there listening to you when the self-doubt comes up and helping you work over that hurdle, if they're just giving you the steps and expecting you to follow without these things coming up, they're probably not a coach, or at least they're probably not the coach for you. The other thing that we see happen with these self-doubt statements are the comfortableness in them. And that's not a word, but we're using it today. But there's definitely familiarity in these patterns because like I said, learning something new is really difficult. Stepping outside your comfort zone is really difficult. And even though you're not 100% comfortable maybe where you are right now and you're exploring what that change might look like, it's really comfortable to just at least this discomfort that you're sitting in right now is comfortable. You know, maybe you're not, you don't have as much energy as you want, but you know, the thought of just even putting thought into how that might change is just too hard. And you may as well just keep doing the grind, downing the coffees and living as you are, because at least you know what to expect. Whereas when you start to change things, all of the unexpected starts to become a reality. Some of the things that I see pop up, this statement pop up within my women is just even working on eating first thing in the morning. 
So, you know, if you're a mum or a parent listening to this, I'm sure one of the first things you think about is, you know, is your kid eating breakfast, what they're having for lunch and so forth. And this, you know, you didn't just wake up one morning and stop eating breakfast. You flipped the dialogue. Something more important came in and your focus needed to go on to that. And so relearning this isn't something that you just step into and go, oh, now I do it. I flipped the switch. Now I do it. It takes time and consistency and almost expecting these hurdles to come up for you to be able to go, oh, I see that now. And now this is the conscious choice I'm going to make. The other thing that comes up is that, you know, when we're reconnecting with our movement, again, if it's not a practice that we're using on a daily basis or, you know, we're nervous to go into the gym or we don't like walking and it just seems too hard, it's exactly that, that it's not a relationship you've built yet. It's something that you're learning what it means for yourself. And so while all of these people around you might have gym memberships that they swear by and you should join the gym because it's so amazing, maybe that's not speaking to you because it's not for you, that you haven't just found out what your thing is yet. And while you're learning that, it's okay to hold patience for yourself. The other time I see these self-doubt statements come up with is when I'm working with my women around their values. Now your values are a, or the values work that we do is by a human behavioral specialist called Dr. Martini. And he has this 13-step questionnaire in which he basically gets our values out of us. And our values are like our fingerprint. They're completely unique to us. It's how we communicate either consciously or subconsciously. And if the more that we can learn to lean into these values, the more power we have in everything that we do. But because often when women come to see me, they're so used to giving or focusing on everyone and everything but themselves, it can be really hard to say, hey, I really actually enjoy painting or hey, I really actually enjoy being in my garden because they're not often things seen by society and celebrated by society. And so it's really hard to lean into these things. And so when we start talking about, you know, how the connection process is going, These statements are like, oh, I didn't do that this week because I had to do X, Y, Z, or no, I just, I'm not ready to do that yet. And so these pre-doubt statements come up because there's so much discomfort into reconnecting there. So how can we combat the self-doubt pre-statement? Well, we start with just catching ourselves doing it. It can be really uncomfortable when someone starts asking us questions and we have to talk about ourselves. But just watch the language you use when you do start talking about the things that you're doing in your life. Are you able to show up and just say, oh, yeah, I've just started at this new gym and I've met two new people. And, you know, I'm really working hard on getting to know my squat pattern at the moment. Or I'm just starting to really feel what it looks like to attend the gym three times a week. When somebody starts to ask you a question about a hobby that you're doing, maybe you make a joke about it. (laughs) Haha, yeah, I'm just teaching myself how to skateboard at the moment and I have just increased my health insurance in case I have any broken wrists anytime soon. These things are okay, but it's not okay when we start really doubting ourselves because the more we speak about it, 
the more we believe it. And if you're serious about learning this new skill and bettering yourself and improving and growing, we can't be using these pre-statements that already put us in a ditch. We have to be the ones to believe in ourselves for the other people to believe it as well. And it's one of those things where you see other people doing their thing and growing. They want to do it too. So what if you confidently talking about this thing that you're learning is going to carry on into the people around you? What if you can encourage somebody to try someone new? Is that something you want to be responsible for? So my challenge for you this week is to catch yourself when you talk about yourself and catch the language that you use when you talk about yourself or the things that you're trying. If you are trying something new, I want to know about it. I want you to slide into my Instagram DMs and tell me the thing that you're working on at the moment. I want you to speak about it in a positive light or an actionable light or even make fun like light of it. But let's start the conversation around celebrating the new things that we're trying and being okay with getting uncomfortable with trying new things. So on that note, thank you very much for having me in your ears for the last 13 minutes. And until next week, I will speak to you then.